And the word of the Lord says this, Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. May we be blessed by the reading of the word this morning. You may be seated. We do want to continue to, to keep... Um, those that we are praying for in our prayers um, uh, this this week as well as we remember Lauren as she gets ready for her surgery in the next couple weeks, correct, Jonathan? Um, so let's continue to pray for her um, and for the doctors just for just uh, wisdom and guidance and that, that will bring healing and relief um, to her. Uh, let's pray for Brother Vaughn, uh, Grant Vaughn. He it goes into surgery Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock, so let's pray for him. As well, let's pray for Miss Odeline and Jenny. And if there's any that I'm missing, I apologize. Let's, um, if you have those prayer requests, send them to me or Tracy, and we'd love to get those to everyone in the church via email or on our Facebook. Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started here in Genesis chapter 26. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I'm grateful for you this morning. You are holy. You are worthy. You are worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship. I pray that you would receive all the glory in that. That God, no glory would come to us as people, but all of that glory would go to you. I pray for us as your servants, that you would continue to do a work in us and therefore uh, do a work through us. And God, I pray that you would continue to lead us and guide us. And uh, God, I, I do pray, God, that you would continue to protect us as a church. And God, I pray for those who are watching online. I'm grateful for the ability to do that. But I pray, God, that we would never get comfortable sitting at home watching online. That That's not your desire for your people. Your desire for your people is to gather as one and come and worship and fellowship and come together around your word that it would edify us and encourage us. And so I pray that. I pray, God, that you would begin even now stir in the hearts of people, not just our church, but the church universal. Uh, God, a, a desire to gather again in the house of God. God, we come and we humble ourselves under Your mighty Word. We are grateful for Your Word. That it brings correction, reproof, and encouragement. And I pray for that for us this morning. As we look at this text this morning here in Genesis chapter 26. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for what it's done in my life this week, studying and preparing. So now lead us and guide us under your mighty word, under your great hand. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, we're at the halfway point in Genesis. We are going to go through Genesis chapter 52. Uh, I know it may 
I hope it doesn't feel like we've been in a long time. Uh, there is a reason God has given us the book of Genesis, and so I've um, always wanted to teach through the book of Genesis, um, and it's 52 chapters long, and so we'll continue to make our way through. I pray that it has been an encouragement to you and will continue to be an encouragement to you as we look at the promises of God. This is uh, the, the foundations of all of God's promises are found in this book and it sets the course for the rest of the Bible. This is the foundation, if you will, of the Word of God. And so if you want to know about the Word of God, we got to start with the foundations of the Word of God. And so we'll look at and continue to look at the promises of God even this morning. Here in Genesis chapter 26, this is, you know, when we talk about the patriarchs of the Bible, we say it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's where we go to. Well, there's only one chapter that's dedicated to Isaac in all the Bible. And that's here in Genesis chapter 26. And the majority of this chapter is about his failure. Now, I'm not saying there's not other places in the Bible that talk about Isaac, but there's only one chapter in the book uh, of all of God's Word that's dedicated to Isaac, and most of it is about his failure. But in his failure, we'll see uh, really God more than we see Isaac. And what we'll see is the presence of God with Isaac. And this, for me, this week studying it has been so monumental to me. I hope this morning it will be for you. As you come to this chapter and you read the chapter, and we, if we read the entirety of the chapter, you would see it's going to be like deja vu. You, you come to the text and think to yourself, this sounds a lot like Genesis chapter 12 or Genesis chapter 20. That's where Abraham, if you remember, he goes down into Egypt and he lies about his wife. Well, we see that here with Isaac. Uh, that Isaac is going to lie about who Rebekah is and he's going to say, this is my sister. Well, Abraham was able to say that because it was partly true. Isaac's not able to say that. That's a complete lie. And if you remember last week, I talked about uh, Abraham's faithfulness to Isaac and Abraham's faithfulness of telling the stories of God's goodness. And I wonder if there was times around the campfire, times with uh, Abraham and Sarah, that those two would recount their failures. I hope that would be true for you and true for me in my life, that when I'm sitting with Cedar, I want to tell them about my failures to protect them from doing this very same thing that I have done. So I would imagine that Abraham would have told Isaac about these two places. I can remember stories about my mom and my dad, and maybe you can remember failures in your parents' life and had that th saying, I don't want to be like my parents. Anyone ever said that growing up? Like, I wonder if Isaac said that. I, like that story, I don't want to ever do that. And how many of us have said that statement as children, as young adults, as maybe even adults, and then we look back in our lives and are like, man, the thing I didn't want to do, I ended up doing. I never wanted to treat my kids the way my parents treated me, and oftentimes I find myself doing the thing I said I would never do to them. And now we see Isaac doing this same thing. I'm sure Isaac would have said, in his time and hearing those stories, I'll never do that. And then Isaac does the very thing he said he would never do when he listened to Abraham. But in the things that we see that Isaac probably said he would never do, 
We can think to ourselves that this story is about Isaac and about his failures, but as we'll see, this story is really about the presence of God. It's about the faithfulness of God. It's about God's faithfulness to His promises even when there's sin involved. I want to look at three things this morning about the presence of God. I want to look at the future of God's presence. I want to look at the present of God's presence. And then I want to look at the past of God's presence. So we're going to look at the future, we're going to look at the past, we're going to look at the presence, and we're going to look at the past. So let's dive into God's Word this morning. The future of God's presence. We find that in Genesis chapter 26, verses 1-5. through Jared read that, and I won't read it again, but I want to highlight a few things in these first five verses. The first thing is this. That there was a famine in the land. That's going to be important for us to set the stage for Genesis chapter 26. A famine in the land. There was no water. There was no rain. And all of the produce, all of the crops were beginning to fail in the promised land. Remember what the promised land, over and over again, I believe it's 24 times in the Old Testament, the promised land is known as the land of milk and honey. A fertile land. A land that flows with things. And yet, we see now Isaac is in the promised land and it doesn't look so promising. And so what does Isaac do? Just like his father, he sees this come upon him. He sees that this place of this fertile land is not so fertile. And so what does he do? He hightails it out of there. And yet, he would have been told about the promise of God that God was going to be faithful in this land. And so why would you leave the faithfulness of God in this land? due to fear. Fear that God was really going to be with him or be present with him. And so he runs. You see, one of the things that we can see just in that one word, there will always be opposition to the promises of God. In your life and in my life, there's always going to be things that don't make the promises of God look like they're going to come to fruition. Do they not? And in your life, and you think about your life and where you've come from, and you would and I would know the promises of God. We've experienced the promises of God. We've been told the promises of God, just like Isaac would have been told. And yet we see that at the first place of adversity, what does it say? It says that there's a famine in the land, and that he goes down, he's leaving the land, he's beginning to go down to Egypt, but by the grace of God, the presence of God in his life, he stops him before he goes down to Egypt. There will always be opposition. Remember what James says in James chapter 1, verses 2-6, through Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For we know that the testing of your faith, that's what was happening here to Isaac, his, te- his faith was being tested. That the testing of your faith will produce steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So God is bringing this famine onto Isaac to test his faith so that the steadfastness of his faith will produce something in his life. We know what God wants to produce in our trials. It tells us that in James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trials or who perseveres when famine comes. 
For when he or she has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised him. You see, the testing of our faith, the testing for Isaac, the testing of his faith was that he would receive the crown of life. That's salvation both here and eternal salvation. And so God stops him. And yet in stopping him, we'll see in a moment, he doesn't heed to God's warning. But God then makes a promise to him as he stops him in his tracks not to go to Egypt. He says to him, and I want you to highlight in your Bibles, if you will, all the places that God says He'll show up. That God is making him a promise that God will be with him in his future. If you stop here, I promise to do these things in your life. He says, do not go down to Egypt, but dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Or I will show you. That's future. Like, I will show you where you are to go. You just be obedient to stopping. Stop here and I will show you. I shall tell you. He says, sojourn in the land. Be a wanderer in the land. And then he says this, I will be with you. God made a promise that He would be with him if he'd stop and obey. And then he says this, I will bless you. For you and your offsprings. He says, I will give to you this land. I will establish an oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offsprings as the stars of heaven. I will give your offspring all of these lands and your offsprings and all the nations of the earth. I will bless. How come? Because of Abraham, your father obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments and my statutes and my law. God is making him a promise that he will be with him just the way he was with his forefathers. All the way back to Adam and Eve and Noah and on and on we go. The promises of God is this, that he will be with us. Remember what Jesus said. The, the, the I will that Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Remember that Jesus had come and He was spending time with His disciples. He had just been crucified. He had just rose from the dead. He had just spent 40 days with His disciples preparing Him for His departure. And in preparing for His departure, right before He departs, He makes this crazy statement. As He's leaving, He says, I'll be with you. Even though I'm leaving, I'll still be with you, he says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. So the promise of God to us is first this, that God promises His presence with us in the future. The application for us in that passage this morning is this, do you believe that God will be with you? You see, if we believe that God will be with us, then when fear comes, we can be reminded that though there's fear here, that the promises of God is He'll be with us through our fear. So if I can say, okay, God, even though I'm fearful today, I can remain steadfast because I believe in Your promise that You'll continue to go with me because You're already there before me. 
But how often in your life and in my life, and we see in the life of Isaac, that the promise that God would be with him doesn't always overcome our fear, does it? And we revert back to our own ways. And that's what Isaac does in this passage. Even though the promises of God are been made to Isaac in these first five verses, in that moment, right after that moment the promises of God are made, Isaac doubts and is faithless and has no faith in what God had just promised him. Now, I'm grateful for that part in the story. Because I don't know about you, I can tell you all the promises of God about what He's going to do in my life. But often that doesn't lead me to live a life of faithfulness to God. And so we come here to one of the patriarchs of our faith and we see that he is faithless to God's promise that God would be with him. And he says, basically, he doesn't believe that to be true. And then he falls into the very same sin in verses uh, 6 all the way to verse 25. I won't read that for the sake of time this morning, but he wanders, he's wandering to Egypt. He stops, he doesn't get all the way to Egypt. He stops in this foreign land, which his father had stopped in, and he meets Abimelech. Now that name ought to sound familiar to us. Scholars are divided whether it's the same Abimelech or a different Abimelech. Abimelech was just a title for a man or a king in that day. So I I won't speculate if it was the same one or not. I just know that Isaac did the same thing his dad did. When the pressure got on him, he lied. He begins to be fearful. He says to himself, I have fear to say she's my wife. Least these men should kill me to take her from me. So he says, she's my sister. And then we see the, the, the righteousness of Abimelech. Abimelech catches them out uh, watching them in verse, uh, verse 8. They're laughing together. That, that word laughter is the same word that we see where Isaac um, is laughed at, or Jacob is laughed at by Esau. It, it's this word uh, for us would be a flirtatious place. Now, I, I would hope you don't flirt with your sister. So Abimelech is overlooking his kingdom, looking out of his window, it says, and it says he sees that these two, Isaac and Rebekah, are flirting together, which gives the indicator that cannot be his sister. So he calls Isaac into the, uh, to his room, his courtroom, his throne room, and says to him, why have you lied to me? And Isaac says, well, this is the reason I've lied to you. I was fearful about what you do to me. Now, I'm grateful that the story doesn't stop there. Because if the story stopped there, it would be more about Isaac than it would be about God. But look what happens in verse 12. In verse 11, he confesses, he repents. And in his repentance, in verse 11, uh, excuse me, before we get to verse 12, Abimelech warns all the people, whoever touches this man or his wife shall be put to death. So Abimelech forgives him and then sends him on his way. And then we see in the next few verses, twenty or 12 all the way down to verse 25. 
But it starts in verse 12. Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Now remember what it told us in verse 1. Verse 1, there's a famine. So how is there a hundredfold coming back to him without the Lord blessing him? It wasn't because of Isaac's faithfulness to God. It was because of God's faithfulness to Isaac. That God would bless him. And he became a rich man. And he gained more and more and more until he became rich and wealthy and powerful. He had all these possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, it says. So much so that the people that had just sent him away, the Philistines, Abimelech, became envious of his wealth. And then again we see the hardship that comes upon him. In the next few verses, he goes and begins to dig for wells. He tries to take the wells that his father had dug for him. Three different wells he comes to. Two different times, the, the Philistines rob him of the well because they're fearful of the blessings of God on his life. And now we see the heart of Isaac has been changed because of the faithfulness of God. And he just kind of says, okay, you take the well. You take that one too. And then finally he gets to the last one. And in the last one, he says God is finally giving us this well. He says this in uh, verse 22. For now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. He goes back and is reminded of the promises of God. He no longer is wandering from God. Even though he's facing obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, he's reminded of what God had promised him. And he remains faithful to God. And then it says this in the the last verses. This is the very presence of God's presence with him. For he went on to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him. This is the second appearance that we see the Lord make to Isaac. And he appeared to him that night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not. I am with you. And I will bless you. And I will multiply your offsprings. My, for my servant's sake, Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Now we see God make him a direct promise that his promise will be or it is with Abraham in that moment. It's just not future chance that God will be with us. No, God is with us today. Remember Jesus' name, what we see in uh, Isaiah. Isaiah says this, there will be a virgin, she'll give birth, and you shall name him what? Emmanuel. That means God with us. So God is not just going to be with us, but God today in this very moment, God today with you and is with me in all of our circumstances. Do we believe that today? In the moment of this pandemic, God is still with us. We don't have to wait that God will be with us. No, He's in it with us today. He is in your cancer with you today. He is with Lauren today in this very moment, Jonathan. And on and on we can go. Do we believe that God is with us? Not just that God will be with us, but He is with us today. 
It's what He says in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I am with you. I will strengthen you, or I am in this moment strengthen you, and I am helping you, and I uphold you in my righteous hand. The presence of God is with us in this very moment. Again, I am grateful that God's faithfulness or God's presence does not rest on me being faithful and present with Him. Because truth be told, my presence with God wanes all the time when my fear comes. Does not yours? Like when I'm fearful, I I tend to not always run to the Lord. But what I am confident in, in what God's Word is, even when I am not running to Him, He is always running to me and somehow running with me. God is with us this morning. Which I would add you this as a way of application. What happens in the life of Isaac when Isaac realizes that God is with him? It says this, so he built an altar there. He worshipped God. That's what it meant to build an altar. It meant to worship God. It meant a way of understanding that God's promises are true despite what we believe, think, or imagine. And so Isaac worships God. The presence of God in your life today ought always to lead us to ongoing worship of God. Are we as a church worshiping God because we realize His presence is with us even this morning? Does Jesus not make that promise to us in the Gospel? He says this, when two or more gathered in My name, I am with you. God is here in this moment with us. Whether it's 12 of us or 112 of us, that doesn't dispute that God is with us or not. He is with us in this moment. And so we ought to come into God's house and we ought to worship with all of our beings. And I don't mean sing with your lips. I mean sing with our hearts. That's what it means to worship God. I know we can't sing out loud maybe because we have these masks on and no telling how long these masks will remain on. And so you might not sing out loud, but we can rejoice in our hearts. We ought to come and worship God because we are in the presence of God this morning. And God is in our presence this morning. Praise God for that. And then he goes on and we see this. The past of God's presence in verses 26 through 33. Then Abimelech comes. He sees all that is doing in, God is doing in his life, and he says this in verse 28. He says, They said, this is Abimelech, his advisor and his military leader. They said this, and we see plainly that God has been with you. And so we say, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make covenant with you. You see, it was nothing that Isaac was doing. It was simply the presence of God in his life and the blessings of God in his life that others saw the presence of God in his life. And they said to him, we see 
plainly. That means without fog, without haze, plainly we see it's so noticeable that God is with you and blesses you. Not because of you, Isaac, but simply because of Him. And I wonder, church, for us this morning, is it obvious to even lost people? Because remember, these men were lost people. They were pagan worshipers. They were not worshipers of God. But these pagan men, these lost people, saw plainly that God was with them. Is that true in your life? And is that true in my life? That unbelievers, and I hope believers, would be able to say, I can plainly see God's activity in your life. I don't know if you've ever been around someone that it's plain that the activity of God is in their life. But isn't it contagious? Isn't it drawing? Isn't it like, man, you can't get enough of those people? And that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants us to be a conduit to the world for His presence. That's what he tells us over and over and over again. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. He's talking about being the salt and light of the world. And he plainly says at the end of that passage, it's a passage of evangelism for sure. But he says, go and let your deeds be seen to the world so that they will bring glory to God, not you. So let our deeds be so plainly seen to the world that God's activity is so plainly in our lives that the outside world will want what we have. And my great fear is this. That the world really doesn't want what we have. That we're no different than the world. You've heard it. I've heard it. Why would I become a Christian? I look at all of these Christians, they don't live differently. Well, they're not living differently because they don't realize the presence of God in their life. If we understood that God's presence is in our life, we, we would live differently, would we not? But the reality, the truth is that God promised us He is with us. He's sitting with us in this moment. Let us conduct our lives that way. The King of Kings is with us this morning. The God of all glory and honor is with us this morning. Do we live our lives that way? Do we believe both in the presence of God to come? Do we believe in the presence of God in our lives today? And because of that presence of God in our life, is it being shown to those around us? Is it plainly seen to us and to others? And then they finish after making that pact, after saying we just want more of you because we want more of God. We want to be around you because we want to be around God. They say, you are now the blessed of the Lord. Do we believe that we are the blessed of the Lord this morning? As a way of application for us, three questions I have. 
simple questions, but we have to walk away answering these simple questions. And if any of these are no to you, then I would beseech you to surrender your will and your life and come to salvation to God this morning. Because without salvation to the Lord, these three will not be true in your life. It's only by salvation that we get the presence of God in our life. And so the three questions I ask this morning are this. Do you believe that God will be with you? In the future, tomorrow, will God be with you? As you go to the doctor's office, will God be with you? As you go to work, will God be with you? The second is this. Do you believe that God is with you currently in this moment? And the last is this. Do you believe that God has been with you? So will God be with you? Is God with you? And has God been with you? If you answer no to any of those questions, I would say that this, you are not a follower of Christ Jesus this morning. The only way for us to have confidence and yes to those three answers rests not on us, but on Christ Jesus and what He's done for us. Christ Jesus will be with us. Christ Jesus is with us. And Christ Jesus has been with us. Let me pray this morning. God, I'm grateful for Your presence in my life. And I humbly come and confess that oftentimes in my life, I don't live that way. And so I ask that You would help me remain steadfast to You because You remain steadfast to me. Help me believe that You will be with me. Help me believe that You are with me. And help others see that You have been with me. You are a great and glorious God. I pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen.